the optimal life. Michelle, welcome. How are you today? Fantastic, Nate. Good to be in synergy with you now. <laughs> yes, yes. This has taken us some time, but we're finally making it happen. So we're uh, in synergy. <laughs> <laughs> See, you already got ahead of me. I was going to ask you to sing us a song later. Maybe we'll, we'll get something out of you. Um, so let's. Uh, it's nice to connect with you. Um, tell us. Start it off. Tell us about your relationship with God. Oh wow. <laughs> Um, well, it's a it's a long story and a long journey, but right right now, do you mean? Yes, right now, right. and uh, you know, if you want to kind of if if there's been phases, we're happy to hear about it. But yeah, I'm just curious what your relationship is with God, and then maybe how you got there. Well, as a little girl, I used to I lived in the countryside in Australia, in a, on the mountains. I live like that again here now. Anyway, and. Um, I had these, we went to a Catholic school and I absolutely was in love with Jesus as a little tiny girl. And I would go to mass every morning with the nuns because the nuns loved me because I used to win all the singing contests for the school. <laughs> but then um, puberty and then having my rock bands and everything, I was just focused on music, songwriting and working really, really hard to get the success that we ended up getting. And then after my car accident, near fatal car accident that I had, and I created these affirmation songs to heal my body because I'd heard about affirmations. I can go into a little bit more depth about that later. But what happened was my oscillation, my vibration, my frequency was much, much faster than it used to be. And I was touring with, working a lot with Bob Proctor. We created tons of programs together, living in Asia, had hit records there again, couldn't stop my success. Who knew? Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, all these people. But I wanted, I was, I felt like my heart was out of my chest. The more I was getting into positive thinking and having the success I had, the more I wanted to delve deeply into what it was that I was missing. Why is my heart glowing outside of my chest? Am I soul sick? What is it? I wanted to go deeper and deeper and find out what this thing was, this humming throughout my body, this love that I felt for every single person. And it was just incredibly, uh, you know, sometimes things would just look all like water, you know, go into golden watery things. And I was having these experiences. And I decided reading Yogananda's book and Swami Muktananda's book and St. Teresa of Avila's book, I realized these people were enlightened beings. And it wasn't just one Jesus that was going to be enlightened. So I knew I had to find someone who was enlightened who could teach me, who could teach me really deep meditation. And because I was already meditating and even teaching it, but I wanted to go deeply. I heard about Samadhi. I wanted to have these experiences. I wanted to find God. <laughs> and sure. so after sure. 14 years of traveling, and I was working at the same time, of course, doing huge seminars all over the world, but at the same time, I um, I was always looking and I found a couple of Asian men that I think were enlightened, but I couldn't really feel it. I didn't understand their language. I knew that, that I couldn't be taught by them because um, I didn't relate to them, but I thought that's what an enlightened teacher must look like, like an old Asian man, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway, so eventually after 14 years, I found an enlightened teacher in America of all places. And um she said she would teach me 
as a student, I went off the grid for 10 years, Nate. No book writing, no songwriting, no nothing but study, meditation, going deeply all over the world with her in different countries. Um, just did that for 10 years. Eventually, before that 10 years, I my Kundalini awakened, I became fully enlightened. I was her only student that became fully enlightened. And that's how I found that inner light, that divine presence that is animating every cell of my being and animating everybody's cells of their being. Let me, ask what you, happened- let me just chime in here real quick, Michelle. If you yeah. Don't um, when you go, let's go back. When you said you made a comment about you were becoming so curious because you were seeing these golden figures in the water, what, you, you alluded to something about that. What exactly does that mean? What did that look like? Uh, no, not golden figures in the water. I was seeing walls and things sort of start shimmering and moving like water, like gold, you know, and um, and that's what happens as your consciousness is shifting. You start seeing, because the world is an illusion, you start seeing the energy in what appears to be a hard object. You start seeing that it's all liquid. It's all just flowing energy. It's just, it's phenomenal and when was that how was that what where was that occurring that wasn't occurring right away in the hospital oh no no that was that was um when i was living in kuala lumpur running bob proctor's business doing events i had a band there as well and i was touring all over the world but i was uh, based in kuala lumpur um i started going to different buddhist temples and started meditating very very deeply and it started happening uh there i was going on long walks through very very rough tough jungles in borneo i was testing myself and my spirit i just wanted to find god okay (laughs) and so i i did a lot a lot of things that were a little bit dangerous too and i didn't realize that it was always there humming that humming that i heard and felt was within me the entire time and whenever i would just focus like i'd sit on the end of a beach and I just in Sarawak, and I would uh, just gaze at the ocean. And then one day I was gazing at the ocean waves, and all of a sudden I could see myself meditating, and I was I was the wave. I mean, all these different experiences started happening, and so I had to find a teacher. I had to find someone who knew God, because I knew that that was the only way I was going to be able to learn about it and what could I do next because I had so many questions and you know we didn't have the internet back then I mean we just started getting the internet so I couldn't google it or youtube it we didn't have any of that so I had to I was just getting every book I could find on mysticism studying and um yeah a lot of not weird experiences beautiful experiences but still enough to make you go holy shit i've got to find out what this is all about am i going insane here you know and i i I would speak to bob about it and he said no that's normal as you're transitioning into an awakening he said i haven't a fully awakened he said but i have that happen all the time when i meditate so at least you would meditate and then you would look and you would see hard objects that were basically looking like they were free forming free floating the walls looked like they were liquid liquid shimmering light and even the ground sometimes i would i'd have to i could go like that and i could hear it was hard but it didn't look like it was i felt like you know it's very disorienting because you anyway but bob 
said to me, no, you're not insane. That's part of consciousness awakening. Now, and, how, um, how long was this after your car accident? Two years. Two years. So as you're going through this, this process, this level of awakening and uh, this new journey, and you start seeing these things, are you thinking to yourself, uh, like, is this a, a side effect from the, the accident? Or are you completely past it and realizing I'm on this journey to find God? Oh, yeah, I knew that for sure. And as I said, Bob Proctor said to me he had those same experiences. He said it's very real because it's not like um, – no, it wasn't – I didn't hit my head in the car accident. <laughs> right. That's that's what I'm saying. So, But, but the car accident was an epiphany-type moment in your life. Well, during the months I was in the hospital was the epiphany, yeah, not the actual time of the car accident. Okay. But that was just simply – um, discovering a way of healing myself through affirmations, uh, but doing it with music because of the fact that um, they said I would never be healed completely. And I was listening to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which someone had put on in the in the hospital, my aunt or someone, just to try to cheer me up. And I'm like, what has this got to do with the young female rock star in australia and it's mm -hmm. all about male millionaire entrepreneurs in america in the 20s i'm not interested in listening to this however she went out and i was really glad she kept it on because when napoleon hill started speaking about how it was an audio book his son was born deaf completely 100 percent deaf and he would go into his little boy's room every night and speak to him and say you can hear perfectly he would do all these affirmations and something within me knew nate i knew that the power of the mind everything that i'd ever created during my life i had willed it into being i'd always knew no matter what i intended to do with my life i could make it happen i never doubted and so i already had that sort of willpower still mm. willpower and i always did make it happen but this was um different the affirmations weren't working i was saying i am healed i know i am i love myself i am my friend saying it over and over again but the doubting mind kept spitting it out it didn't believe it so it couldn't go into the subconscious mind whereas where the affirmation or the prayer has to go for it to for you to feel it feel the love of that and allow your higher self to work on that intention and to bring that into fruition for healing of your body and so after about a month of realizing this is BS, it's not working for me, I can't emotionalize it, I realized, oh, my gosh, you can't get a song out of your head, Michelle. You have written jingles for advertising agencies. You know how powerful music is. The lyrics go into the left side of the brain, the music, the right side of the brain. You have a whole brain experience. It goes straight into your subconscious mind, which is why little kitties learn their ABCs through song. So I started singing. I am healed, I know I am. I love myself, I am my friend. And I would listen, I would sing it over and over again until a cassette was full. Hey, can, you, that... just sing, can you just sing for the rest of this episode? <laughs> that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I ended up having miraculous healing, went into the studio straight away, and um, journalists and all these people were finding out about my healing. But I started writing and recording lots more affirmation songs, but just for me and my band, just for our consciousness. I had never had an intention 
of it going out to the public. It's not like a proper pop song. <laughs> right. So I, but in the end, um, promoters said, you know, we want you to tour with Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and Stuart Wilde. And I said, who are they? <laughs> because I, I wasn't in that periphery. I didn't live in that land. Mm. I lived in the rock and roll land my entire life. I was on television since I was five years of age. So, um, years nonstop and we would tour with NXS, the pretenders, you name it. We had our own uh, records out and videos and everything. It was still, the money we made was pitiful. So $5,000 back in the day was just a fortune to me. And all I had to do was have backing music and sing in between these blokes from America. <laughs> right. Let me, let me just, let me just go back a little bit. Cause I want to unpack sure. some of the things that you're saying. Sure. So you mentioned that, so you're, you're in the hospital and you're trying to overcome the negative feelings. You're uh, you were always a positive person. You were always about affirmation. And as you're in the hospital, while you're trying to do that, the negative mindset was not letting you fully get to the subconscious. So you mentioned the subconscious state. How did you then, Michelle, go from that conscious to that subconscious? What kind of real world training were you doing to finally get yourself there? Well, I knew that you can't get a song out of your head. So I sang my affirmation, like I said, and because the song goes straight into your subconscious mind. It was an epiphany when I realized. Actually, I asked my brother, before I actually wrote the first song, I asked my brother to go out to the record stores and find me some affirmation music. And there wasn't any, there wasn't any such thing. No one had done it. So I just did it and it was working, it worked. I would just listen to it all day, every day. And I started, after a week, I started feeling more cheerful, more optimistic, not so suicidal. <laughs> mm. You know, what am I gonna do? I was like, if I can't dance and sing and do cartwheels and jump on top of speaker boxes on stage to thousands of people every night, like I used to, you know, it's like I'm, I was living my optimal life as far as I was concerned, and I'd worked mm -hmm. very hard to get there. Right. So the affirmation song, I was willing to try anything, but I, I sang it because I couldn't find any affirmation music. And because the music is the affirmations left side of the brain, the melody right side of the brain, it, go, it went straight into my subconscious mind and that started working. And I was doing visualization as well. I heard about visualization. So I started visualizing myself healthy and walking and running and being on stage again in high heels, no less, because I'm only five foot. So don't take my high heels away from me, God. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. So that's, that's how it happened. And I realized I've got to do affirmation music um, for myself and my band, just for us to listen to, not for the public. But as I said, after the promoters came, they said, we want you to sell the affirmation music to the audiences. And right. um, Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and Bob Proctor and all these people that I ended up working with over the next few months just said, this is incredible. We've never seen an audience get it like this. They're all standing up and singing, running up on the stage, doing the affirmation music, which is such simple pop music. But the simplicity of it, keep it simple and spiritual, makes the affirmations work so powerfully. Yes, so, just like the ABCs or Row, Row, Row Your Boat does for the child. Exactly. But, so, so are you saying that that without the melody, you would not have been able to reach that subconscious state like you did? No, no I couldn't because, you know, nowadays the studies that have been done are absolutely fully tested. Uh, you, on my website, I've got all the studies from Berkeley, from 
John Hopkins about music and positive lyrics and the, all the stuff that we didn't know about in those days. And they, you know, music therapy, basically. Uh, but with because of the fact that the doctors are coming in, I'm in physical agony, not just pain, agony. I had so many broken bones and I was in, you know, traction for about a month before they could do the next operation. So when you're in that much physical agony and you're attempting to do an affirmation saying you're healed, the subconscious, it doesn't go into the subconscious mind. The doubting mind spits it out immediately. So that's why Napoleon Hill and all these teachers would say, you have to emotionalize it. You have to believe it's true for it to be planted into the subconscious mind. Right, Whereas right, right. now let me ask song, you too, Michelle. Let me just ask you, when, once it is implanted, right? You've got your music, you're on repeat, you're on repeat daily, weekly, monthly, and it becomes really ingrained in you. So if you stop listening, listen, a child will always remember how to sing the ABCs or row, row, row your boat or any other children's kind of song because it's implanted in their fibers. They don't need to listen to it every day. Right. So I'm asking you, is that the same correlation here? When that music is implanted into you for days, weeks and months, are you able to then step away from that music or do you oh. have to keep that affirmation music on repeat? No, you do not. But I mean, I've got students from all over the world, 26 different countries, or actually 32 countries now, right? And um, that have had miraculous things happen in their lives. The Magnet to Money song is our most popular. It's been listened to and downloaded millions upon millions and millions of times globally. Mm. And um, people have had, you know, instead of thinking about lack, they end up thinking of opportunities. Their mind starts focusing on Money loves me. Money is my obedient servant. And the success song and persistence. And I love my all the different affirmation songs, over 400 songs that I've written and recorded for every area of your life. But the I Am Healed song, the three days after listening to it for three days, and it was just my voice singing it onto a cassette, no mm. music with it, my melody and my voice, um, I started seeing opportunities. I started looking at the things. I was just determined within my mind then and there after three days i had a, i had made a decision i was going to be healed i was going to wear high heels again i was going to be back on the stage again i just knew it it was something within me that just knew it and i know that that song is what turned it around for me and so but with all the different affirmation songs it goes 300 times this has been proven now 300 times faster into the subconscious mind than just saying it so you only have to listen to it a few times. They're all very, very simple pop songs so that it really is easy to go into the subconscious mind. So you, are you suggesting that once it's in the subconscious mind, it never really leaves that? Never. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because anything that's planted into the subconscious mind stays there. And, you know, they used to say, teachers used to say, well, if you, you can replace the old negative thinking with new positive thinking. But the thing is, the old, the old negative thinking is still there. It's wired in until sometime, I, I call this the diamond, your higher self, your spirit, your immortal consciousness. This gets coated with all the hurts all the emotional stuff that's happened your entire life so even if you are putting a lot of positivity there that's still coated you have to go much much deeper to release you can eventually <laughs> release all those negative thoughts but it takes light it takes meditation it takes um god basically mm. you can't your mind can't get 
Your mind can't heal your mind, but God, in that intention of your subconscious mind, can heal your mind. But you, your mind, isn't what we think. We don't think it's, we think it's intelligent. It's not. It's a conglomeration of the thoughts of the Maya, of the collective consciousness of the planet. And most people don't even think their own thoughts. <laughs> They're thinking other people's thoughts. So, it, I mean, it can go really deeply into, I don't want everyone to go into psychosis about this and go down rabbit holes of mysticism, but because I, I always want to keep it simple, keep it simple and spiritual, because if we try to understand things intellectually that are mystical, that are just impossible to understand, but mm -hmm. if we can have the faith, and even if you don't have the faith, if you can at least look at the, look at the scientific studies Back in the day when I was teaching this, there wasn't any scientific studies. So a lot of people would interview me and go, that's not possible, it's not possible, it's not possible. And I said, well, check out what the doctors did, have a look at my broken bones, what, where I was at, and now look at me. So Everything let me is ask possible. You this, let me ask you, so you, you, one of your examples of your song was the money, um, is money is the obedient servant, I think is what you said. Yeah, magnet to money song, it's called. The magnet to money song. Money is your obedient servant. So yeah. in that example, some you have people that have a bad or, or negative or scared relationship with money, and then they start listening to that song in particular. What has happened? Give us an example or two of the people that listened to that song that had this one relationship with money. How did it transform them, the relationship, and then the ultimate results that they saw? Well, it's interesting, you know, because I, I originally got the idea to write this song when I listened to the great and late Reverend Ike from New York. Have you heard of him? I don't think so. Okay. He had a huge congregation and he, he was so irreverent about money. <laughs> mm. And somebody gave me a tape from a tape from a tape, a, this Reverend Ike. I didn't know who he was or where he was from, except he was obviously American. And I heard this voice say, Everybody, repeat after me. I am a magnet to money. Money, money loves me. Money loves to circulate around me. Money is my obedient servant. Mm. Money loves me. And so I just went home and started writing this song. I'm a <laughs> magnet to money. I now have more than I need. I'm a magnet to money. Money, money loves me. Sorry, it's early morning here. I'm not quite warmed up. Hey, that's but, better than 99% of people, so, so you're fine. And, and it was just so irreverent. And I realized that most people would rather talk about their sex life than talk about money. Everyone's really right. freaked out about what people think of them and what they've got financially or haven't got. They're afraid of losing what they've got. They're afraid of not getting what they want. So I love the fact that this was so irreverent and making a song out of it. So I sent it to him. I ended up finding it out where... let me ask you too, Michelle, don't you think a lot of people don't feel that they're even worthy of it? They might want it, but don't you think the biggest one of the biggest problems, people just don't feel that they're worthy of it, even if they really want it? Even though money is just an energy. I know, mm. it's ridiculous. It's, um, it's, again, it's the old paradigm. It's the old cultural upbringing or our religious upbringing or whatever it is. But I just found this to be outrageous, this man doing this. And... He would talk about it, and I love the way he talked about it because Bob Proctor talks about money that way too. Well, Bob, rest in peace, because uh, he left the body last year. But um, people are so uptight about it. Mm. And so I'll give Let you a ask, perfect – Go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead, please. I'll give you an example. A, a podcast interview I did two days ago, the lady said, 
You know, Michelle, she said the magnet to money song. I've heard, I've looked at the video testimonials and the things that have happened to people in their lives. And she said, it's a phenomena and I absolutely require more money in my life right now. She said, and I attempted to just speak it or just sing along with you. And she said, when it came to the part where I had to sing money, money loves me, she said, I couldn't do it. She said, I just couldn't do it. There was something within me. And I realized I had to jump through that terror barrier that you talk about. I had to jump over that, look at it as fun, not think about it as money or energy or anything, just sing it as a fun song. And she said, now I know I'm going to attract more money because now I can sing that song and I don't feel unworthy anymore. I didn't even realize because I had to, she said, I had to go deeply into why I couldn't sing Money, Money Loves Me. Mm -hmm. And obviously she said, I couldn't sing it because it wouldn't be congruent with my finances right now because I don't have a lot, she said. But um, right. But it really gave her, uh, it just took the fear of money away because it's such an irreverent, crazy thing to say. I mean, it's like when I first saw Shirley MacLaine's movie Out on a Limb and she's out on the beach saying, I am God, I am God. I was like shocked. I was like, that's so blasphemous. <laughs> How could she say that? Right. Because my upbringing was that's just blasphemous. There's God and then there's just us little critters, you know. <laughs> but don't you think that that's also what that example where she says, I don't have that much money. How could I say money loves me? Don't you think that that's the biggest challenge that people have across the board? These people are, are in negative states, negative mindsets. Maybe they've had some unfortunate circumstances in their lives. How in the world can somebody that's in such a depressed state start going around saying, money loves me, I am God, people think that I'm the best, I'm worthy of love, like all these different things. It's hard for somebody to do that. So how do you get somebody, Michelle, that's in that state to then at least say, okay, I'll give this affirmation stuff a try? Well, what I say to them is like when I was in the hospital, I was not healed. I didn't love myself. I wasn't my friend, but I wrote that affirmation because that's what I wanted to have happen. So you're doing it not to boost your ego, not to feel unworthy. You're doing it to change your paradigm, to change your thinking. And so what I say to people is just experiment, just listen to it. I've just launched an app called Magnet to Money app. So even if people find that they can't do every hour, they can have a little notification of the money app, which has got tons of affirmations and positive visualizations and meditations and all of these things in one little app to help people to, even if they can't do it themselves, their phone's reminding them, hey, you are a magnet to money. Hey, remember to meditate. Hey, remember to look at this day with love in your heart. Greet the day with love in your heart. All these different affirmations because you can't just be focused on uh, money and material wealth. You can't just be focused on just spirit. It's like Yogananda said. He said the people in India need to have more material wealth and money consciousness, and the people in the West need to have more spirit. So if you have a nice combination of a balance there, so it's not about ego. It's only when people want stuff for uh other for the neighbors to say, hey, look at that person, you know, or look at that guy. He must be, you know, pretty cool because he's got a big car. <laughs> mm -hmm. Whenever you do buy something, I say to people, but when you do buy something, and this way you won't overspend any 
anyway because you don't want to overspend that's just stupid you just make sure i'm buying this knowing i don't care if no one ever sees me wear this dress or ever sees me drive this car only ever purchase something for your spirit to make you feel good to make you give you freedom to make you feel more comfortable to make you feel safer you want a good car that's you know safe you don't want some bomb so you know it's sure. it's not about ego and i think when when the way i explain it to my students when you realize it's not about ego it's about you releasing suffering from your life so that you can actually because so many spiritual people so many lovely spiritual people don't feel they can give and give and give but they find it very challenging to receive and so i say to them you've got to be open and receptive to receive and open and receptive to give because we are all one we are all this golden tapestry connected by the divine presence within each of us and so if you realize if you can give to someone you're actually giving to yourself realize that you know love your neighbor as yourself because it is the divine presence within each person is the same divine presence the creator of all that animates every cell of our being mm. and so i really encourage people yes to give but also when someone even just giving you a compliment you don't say oh this old thing that's not being nice to the person who gave you a compliment either you say thank you that's right. all just right. thank you a uh, uh, couple things you also mentioned bob proctor who passed away last year yeah and you said well he left the body dig into that yeah. comment where, where did he go when he left the body well i don't know where he went but i know that he was either reborn in this world or he is on a divine a more heaven plane if you want to call it it depends on the consciousness of the person when they leave the body but um he was in very high consciousness so he might have had a reprise in a, in a heaven plane so <laughs> or a so Buddha the plane higher of... level of consciousness you're saying um warrants a higher level in in, in heaven is that where you're well, it's saying? not exactly heaven. People call it heaven, but there are many, many different divine dimensions. It's eternity. This is all just a dream. And so many, I mean, I, you can have many, 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 many lives on this planet, and there are other dimensions and other planets as well. And I have experienced them, so I know it's a fact. So now, even though this world to, is Are you real, able to reconnect with, with your loved ones once they've passed on and then you pass on if they're in different dimensions? It's not like that. When your loved ones leave the body, it, people don't understand what actually happens. But I've been through that Stargate many, many times. And what happens is the way the divine is, the divine is so amazingly compassionate. When we leave the body, when, when what people call die, so the divine will bring people to you through that tunnel that you remember and love but it's just the divine doing it it's just a it's just a reflection of that person's own consciousness to make them feel happy to make them feel like wow this is a, full of love to make them feel that intense love and that they're safe and they're looked after before they go into a different dimension because once you die you go through that stargate but you go through a different dimension afterwards and it depends so i'll give you an example I talk about Paramahansa Yogananda because he was just such an amazing saint and a beautiful Mahasiddha enlightened being. And um, 
he he talked about all of these sort of things quite often but there was this lady who didn't really believe in religion or spirit but she loved yogananda's picture that she got from the self-realization center so she had it in her room this picture because she just was a drawn to him and um i mean he'd already left the body a long time ago but she got some very very bad news and i don't know what the bad news was i can't quite recall that and she decided to commit suicide she was so unhappy and just as she was about to take all these pills yogananda appeared before her and told her don't do that your life is not worth you are worth everything your purpose here you've got more things to do now was that yogananda no it was the divine using her consciousness because it was someone that she felt safe with so that's how it works the divine will create in our consciousness and manifest to make it look real people that we love something that said that we feel safe like when buddhists leave the body or something they're going to see vajrapani this hideous looking but he's not what they see is very different to each culture so that's how that works so but, uh, just to be clear then I, you're you're saying that when you pass on or leave the body using your terminology and you go to a di certain dimension you're suggesting that you your spirit is not necessarily with your loved ones anymore that, that that's not it's almost as if the divine may be showing you those people as a reflection but you're not seeing you're not with them is what you're saying well it it it, it gets a bit tricky trying to explain it <laughs> but whoever you've loved is always in your consciousness you always take that with you wherever you go whether they've left the body or not but you don't actually because everyone is on their own trajectory depending on their consciousness so you can't say that a whole family of people at all different levels of consciousness are going to go to the same place and meet up together it just doesn't work that way uh, but we've been taught by religion many religions that it does work that way but it's not quite like that because I've been to those dimensions and I've been taught by very high beings that are not you know in the body uh so what are you I know, seeing, Michelle? What do you see in those dimensions? Uh, it, it's impossible to explain in human terms, but uh, when I go into deep samadhi, sometimes I go through what's called what I call a stargate. It's just like that movie. It's like buzzing through your head, rushing through, and you go through that tunnel of light and into a different dimension. And in those different dimensions, it's not something that, it's not like two people talking, but you get sort of downloaded psychically information, different things, because you're in a different state of consciousness. You have left your body, your soul has gone for a trip basically, but your body's still alive, it's still there. And eventually, you know, each time you go through the Stargate, you're in higher states of consciousness every time you come back. The first time I did it, I couldn't believe it. You just, your mind isn't there. There's no thought, but the rush, the speed, the velocity is unbelievable. And I ended up at, out in, it looked like sort of outer space, but shimmery, shimmery, <laughs> more shimmery. Yes. <laughs> and dimension anymore you have to and you know it, you've got to remember that I was 10 years with an enlightened teacher off the grid meditating deeply every day for 10 years to right. have right. these experiences it doesn't just it, if anyone tells you it's easy 
they're lying. They're trying to well, sell you something. Well, most people <laughs> will never experience the stuff you're talking. The stuff you're talking about, quite honestly, sounds it doesn't sound real because no, of it sounds majority, like science fiction. Right. It sounds it sounds mystical or science fiction. It, it doesn't sound real. It doesn't sound doable. It, it sounds witchcrafty or whatever you want to kind of terminology you want to put on it. It doesn't sound real. But I have talked to plenty of people like yourself that that have been you know found enlightenment and and consciousness and awakening and all these things and everyone has a very similar um story so it takes work to get to where you're at and that's been your whole mission is showing people hey you could live a better life you can get to these levels you could see what this whole world really looks like and what it is if you put in the work um so let's we're getting close to finishing off enlightenment. We've said it many times throughout this conversation, but for what is your definition? What exactly does that mean? It takes many years and many experiences and you have to activate the chakras have to be activated. It's very, very challenging to do without an enlightened teacher transmitting light to you, that Shakti and um, enlightenment. It's like Jesus Christ. Christ, Yogananda, you know, it, it's impossible to explain it when, once it's happened. It takes, it took me two years to be able to navigate the world again after it had happened to me. And it's, you're if in the moment. Meets you in an elevator, the Michelle. Someone meets you in an elevator, Michelle, I've listened to your music. I've listened to your podcast. I've got 30 seconds with you. Define enlightenment to me. What would you say? You're in the moment. There is no fear. Fear is completely gone. Your whole body is completely humming all of the time and you feel waves of ecstasy go through you and you don't judge it anymore. You love, but you can still see people. You can see if they're manipulative or anything, but without judgment, you just love the divine in every single person, which is why St. Teresa of Calcutta, when she had her enlightenment, she saw Jesus in every single person because that was her God. And so she would literally see Jesus in each person. She never got sick. She healed. She was with those, the lepers and everything all the time, because that's all you see is the divine in each person. And it is, you're like the Buddha said, you're awake. Mm. Mm. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, the power, uh, the magic of affirmation power. Uh, Michelle Blood, where would you like people to find if they want to learn more about you online, social, et cetera? Well, I'm just going to give you one link because I've got um, some of my best-selling products as a gift to your people, the Magic of Affirmation Power, the Magnetic Creative Visualization Program, the um, video, the meditation, practice of meditation, and a great program Bob Proctor and I did called turbocharge goal setting to assist people who may not even know what goal they want but they want to improve their life we give them step-by-step -step instructions along with the action affirmation song all they have to do is go to michelle blood m-i-c-h-e-l-e-b-l-o-o-d dot com forward slash the optimal life of hey, course there she hey is. there you go there and you i go. get all that for free that is beautiful we'll make sure we link up your website and that link in the show notes uh michelleblood.com michelleblood.com slash the optimal life if you want to have access to those documents and different things that michelle had just talked about uh this is fantastic you, you want to maybe leave us with one or two more verses uh from one of your most famous songs and be a fantastic way to finish this off okay um 
Miracles are happening, happening to me right now and every day. A miracle I see. I am a miracle. You are a miracle. We are all miracles and you're loved. God bless you all greatly and thank you, Nate.